Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. Um, today, I have a guest, and that's actually a guest that was referred to the podcast by Lucas, Lucas Salman, who is a listener and did his morning run on the beach in Marbella. So thank you, Lucas. And I don't know if you're listening to this again on the beach, but he referred John Caprani, who's going to be my guest today. And John is a digital marketing consultant from Ireland, and he did some amazing work, some unconventional strategies that really worked for Lucas. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But first of all, John, could you introduce yourself? Okay, great. Yes. Hi, Elias, and thank you for having me. My name is John Caprani. As you said, I'm a direct, um, well, some people say digital marketing. I typically say direct marketing consultant from Ireland. And I mostly work with uh, companies in the US, things to do with e-com, SaaS, and then often a lot of coaching, education, and consulting type businesses as well. Cool. So um, what, what, what work did you do for Lucas? With actually, Lucas and I are working together. He's been a guest on my podcast, and I've helped him with a couple of things about his positioning. But more broadly, what I do with people is help them with things like creating their initial offer, especially for something that's an intangible, like a service-based product. Because what can tend to happen with people when they have a product or a service is they are very focused on the features and descriptive uh, elements of what their product or service is. and while those things are important, they typically don't really engage prospects on an emotional level. And so my job when consulting and copywriting is really to help people think about, A, you know, people always talk about turning features to benefits, but it's beyond the benefits. It's the it's the future states, the future identity, who they become, and the transformations that the product can help to enable, and to actually paint the vision of that and use that as the, the core of the sales message. Cool. So, um, given given the fact that we have a lot of listeners uh, within the B two B marketing space, mm-hmm. um, those people all have tried out lead generation. They're working together with sales, and the well standard or old stuff doesn't seem to be working anymore, especially within sales. You know, we we had a brief chat before this interview, but we all know the typical. SaaS setup in which we have a website, a B2B website on which we have an offering. And of course, there is always the demo and schedule demo uh, or free consultation uh, button. That's not always working anymore. What, what's your take on that? So how can B2B marketers um, change their their ways of working maybe into something that does work? Okay, so I, I want to give a couple of examples of things I've seen that are really, really great. Um, just from a perspective of actually web copy, like one of the things I see with SaaS websites and sort of B2B type websites is that the copy is very we-centric. And, you know, it's what we do. It can be very boilerplate, very dull. And then, you know, the the typical sort of copywriter fixes make it more you-centric, you get this, you get that. But that's more of a Band-Aid type of fix. Um, I think people who do it really, really well they get a little deeper into kind of where the emotional state, the, the conversation that's already going on in the customer's head and what their needs are, where they want to go from and get to. 
And I've seen lots of people do that very well. The best I've ever seen is a company called MicroAcquire, which is a marketplace for startups, microacquire.com. And um, without, you know, because it, sometimes talking about this stuff is like talking about music. You're better off just to hear the music. But if your listeners would like to go look at that website, microacquire.com, and just read their way through the copy and scroll down the, the homepage, you'll see a great example of um, good, good SaaS copy done right. I do a lot of work with a SaaS platform that's in the e-commerce space. I've been working with them. I've written their whole website for the past year. And the main challenge we've found with that company is that they, there are so many features and so many benefits to this product. It, it, you know, it's a massive all-encapsulating platform for an, e- for an e-commerce company that it has hundreds, if not thousands of features. And it's very difficult to, to say what's going to be the one that's the, the, the decision maker or the game changer for any particular client because they all come with unique sets of problems. So what we've really done is kind of looked at their customers and we actually created this as part of their sort of long-term content marketing strategy where they wanted to get more testimonials from the users and find out more, but they weren't really getting the engagement. So we started to set up a a set of founder interviews where the CEO of the company interviews the users of the platform for uh, about their businesses and gets them to talk about their stories, kind of like a podcast for for his company's uh, YouTube page. And by doing those interviews, we've A, we've gotten material that we can actually edit down into testimonials and we've gotten a better understanding of the customer problems and the things they like to talk about, the challenges they face. And then we've taken that back to their website copy and used that to actually create the messaging and, and hone in on the two to three core features that typically make a customer move across to our platform from another platform. So that's, that's I think that's some great advice. In, instead of talking about we or, or changing that even to, to you, it should be about the emotional state that your prospect is in um, that's sounds very 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 logical but how do you find out which emotional uh, state to use or which emotional state your prospect is in how do, how do you find that out and how do you well basically put that into copy because instead of listing up a list of features it needs to be short because people are watching are, are taking a peek at your website and within a couple of seconds they're deciding whether this is something for them or not um so how did you get to the right uh emotional state there well it depends i guess on the core nature of the product because typically when people are moving from from one platform to another to give a SaaS example they're, they're usually in a frame of mind where they're looking to repair a situation that's not working at the moment so you know, the typically things there will be, you know, frustration and relief and looking at then, of course, every every solution is a bridge from like the shady side where it's raining and thundering and miserable to the sunny side where life is grand once again. And it's really just mapping out what is that journey? What are the problems? How do people describe it? But as a copywriter, I found that when you start to kind of you can almost over research yourself to irrelevance where you're not actually speaking your prospect's language anymore. The best insights for a lot of this stuff is really the customer service team, like recording those customer service calls. What are people complaining about? You know, what are the problems they face? What are the challenges they bring up and say, hey, we need help with this. And then on your, the other one is actually recording the sales calls from your sales team. Where are the big objections coming from? Why do people not want to switch to your product? 
or where do they actually express frustration and what's actually brought them onto the sales calls in the first place. Those two things are probably the two best sources of, of material that you can take the stuff out of and use them in your copy and your marketing messaging. And the key, I think, a lot of the time to identify stuff that is going to be good is your own emotional response to stuff. So what I've found when I'm doing messaging, whether it's marketing myself or marketing for my clients, when I read something or hear something or see something that provokes any kind of emotion or feeling in me, then I know if it made me feel something, it'll make somebody else feel something. Now, I'm not always the market, but we're all human beings. So it's usually a good guide for where a, a solid message can come from. Absolutely. And I think, I think in, in theory, this is what all marketers have learned in school. You know, we shouldn't talk about the specs of a product. We shouldn't talk about all the things it can do. Um, some marketers translate those specs into the benefits for people. But what you're saying is, hey, no, we, we should be talking about the problem, right? The problem that your service or software or product is, is solving. Um, do you use any kind of framework in your text writing, like like the story brand framework? I've had people on the podcast that use that that framework, but there's all all, all, all kinds of other frameworks. But is there a specific framework that you use or that you recommend? I use different things in different scenarios, but like when it boils down to us messaging, the two frameworks that cut across all of the different um strategies and different systems like story brand is very popular and i know a lot of people love that i think story brand relies for inspiration a lot on stuff that joseph campbell did with the hero's journey and you know which is the classic kind of story of the hero that's in all of our favorite movies and harry potter and the star wars movies and that kind of stuff but and those are great those are really, really valuable, but sometimes they can be a little bit too big and a bit too abstract for kind of simpler marketing messages. So the two frameworks that I are my go-tos for, for um, sort of quick fire stuff for social media or for ads or anything where the time is compressed or even emails are the, the ADA and the PAS and PAS in particular, which is ADA is most people know if they're in sales is you know, attention, get someone's attention, interest, trigger their interest with some useful, relevant information desire show them you know the gap between where they are and when they want to be and instead the desire is the is the distance between the two and then action teach them how to take the next step to to get whatever it is you've got on offer but the other one the one that i think is even simpler than that is a three-step it's pas describe the problem agitate the problem show like all the negative outcomes of the problem and then see present the solution pas and those two frameworks pretty much underlie all the different marketing systems and most of the time are a good enough guide to get you where you need to go. John, I love this because this is what I, well, I could have said this because I, I, I tell this to a lot of young marketers, especially that come up with all kinds of new frameworks, et cetera. And it all comes down to those two. Um, <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, you know, even the, the Google see, think, act, care one, you know, that's all ADA um, in a modern, let's say uh, with a nice, with a nice new, um, way of representing it or infographic with it but in 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 essence you well we've all learned this and i i love this and it's i use this in content all the time and what i typically see and i think this is also what you're referring to with that when when you're talking about uh problem solving for customers is if, specifically if you're if you're watching the ada framework a lot of websites have content on the d and the last a so on decision and, and action 
um, yeah. where they say, hey, this is where we come, how we compare to others. This is um, what what you what, this is the the benefits that you have when you choose us. But um, the awareness phase is often forgotten. Is what what I see. So that's what I typically do when I talk to customers as well. You know, when we're doing content mapping. Um, and we're we're looking for gaps in their whole content. Typically, that this is where you find the gaps, or at least that's what I've seen with B two B marketers. Also, because it's not it's less less tangible. It, uh, you know the the um, stuff where you compare yourself to others, where you have price lists and fact sheets, etc. That is that is all very tangible and leads direct to uh, either an appointment or a download or whatsoever. Whereas mm-hmm. awareness might take a while. And we all know the B2B sales cycle could be anywhere between three three months and two or three years. Um, so a, a lot of people are in this awareness and interest phase. So the first two phases of ADA. Um, is this something you, you have seen as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, what you just said there, it's it's true that a lot of the stuff just speaks to people as if they're already in the middle or bottom of the funnel. Like you use the example of the comparison checklist. Well, nobody even cares about that comparison checklist until they've already come to the conclusion that what you have to offer is one of a you know a small subset of what's in the market that may be actually the right fit for their problem. So nobody wants to see that at the beginning. And I mean, even the awareness, like even before the awareness comes the attention and the attention could be anything at all. I think that's what, maybe a lot of sort of marketers in more um, more regulated or more formal business environments fail to realize that you don't actually have to leave with your product or anything about your company. You don't even have to leave with the problem people are facing. I mean, the classic example of this is like stuff like newsjacking, where people are just taking whatever story is, you know, people is generating noise on social media right now and inserting what they do as a kind of segue onto that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this week, I mean, and it's not the nicest of examples, but this week has been that very popular story about this uh, private submarine that's gone down in yep. the ocean. And, you know, people have been actually using that as um, a sort of an attention grabber before they talk about things like life insurance. Now, you know, it's it's not, it's not the, um, aesthetically, it's not a very edifying image, but actually the, like, the logical connection is there. You know, there's, there's a very grave situation going on and life insurance will be a very important thing for anybody who might find themselves in a life-threatening situation and so that's jumping into a conversation that's already happening in in the wider internet right now yeah absolutely love that example um with that we've we've almost come to the to the end of the interview um and i love the the tips that you shared and the i I love this typical down-to-earth approach you know don't you know stick to the um conventional frameworks they work um what what would be the last tip that you want to share to any b2b marketer related to content at the moment okay well the, the last one is something that you and i spoke about before we started recording which is um ways to make the sales process less visible the longer you can have somebody not notice that they're in the sales process the better you're going to be so and there's loads of great examples but a great example one i particularly love is um, a company named onfolio.io. They are an investment firm that they aggregate internet businesses. So basically, they are actually going out, buying up internet businesses and then selling shares in their holding company. And you you take advantage of the growth in that. And I think they've now listed on the stock exchange in the US, but they were initially a private company, a private investment firm. And 
when they were on the road to their to their IPO flotation, they released this thing called the Onfolio podcast on different platforms, talking about sort of online business and invest how to invest in online business. And it was very broad in general. But um, and they released a series of episodes, six or seven episodes. And I went through them all listening to them. And I in, in initially thinking that they were just a podcast. And the reason I went to listen was because the founder of that company is a, a guy who I just thought was a fascinating guy and a really good entrepreneur. But by the time I got three or four episodes in, I realized, hey, this is not actually a podcast. This is a webinar that's been cut up into seven chapters. <laughs> and they've yeah. got me inside their sales process. Now, I only noticed that because I've worked on lots of webinars as a marketer. But then I realized, hey, if I wasn't a marketer, I would have no knowledge at this point that I'm being kind of led and there's, you know, the cage about to drop from the ceiling. Like, um, so like those kinds of things where you chop up or you put something in into an unfamiliar format or you do something else that makes people not notice that they're in the sales process, you catch people more unawares and you've got more direct access to their, to their feelings. Whereas the minute someone's in a sales process, their defenses start to go up and they immediately become more skeptical about what you've got to say. So anything someone can do to, make it feel like the sales process, not a sales process is going to increase their chances of winning. Love that advice, uh, John. And I, I um, well, you, you know, we, we talked about this earlier, but um, this is something we we do use our podcast for as well. You know, we interview people that could be a potential client in the, in the future. Um, mm-hmm. But I love this advice. And so um, will other B2B marketers that, you know, if you're not running a podcast yet, this might be a right angle to start a podcast. Um, mm-hmm. how to how this might fit into your sales process and might attract people and attract them without them knowing they're even in the sales process. So I love that advice, John. I'm going to put a link to your LinkedIn profile in yes. the show notes. So people that have listened to the podcast and want to reach out to you, just hit his um, LinkedIn, uh, John's LinkedIn profile in the show notes, link him, uh, add a little note that you've learned about him on the MarTech podcast. Uh, because um, you get all kinds of requests all the time. So um, this this might be something for you to make the difference between who you're going to accept and who you're not going to accept. John, yes. thank you very much for being on the podcast. Okay. As, could, there be, could I have 30 seconds to say one more thing? before? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Go it ahead. just occurred to me, one thing that I found, and it's particularly relevant to sales and marketing, is that people are so uh, transactional in their follow-ups a lot of the time where they'll try to bump things up or I'm just following up on those kinds of things. And one of the most useful uh, principles I've found is something that actually goes back to an old, old marketing book from 100 years ago by a guy called Claude Hopkins, where he said, make your advertising inherently valuable. And that was things like the old Guinness and Oysters and the Michelin Guide, where you actually got a restaurant guide to remind you to buy your tires from Michelin. But in the modern context for sales and follow-up, uh, the follow-up part, if you make the follow-up inherently valuable, it's a much better relationship building than just just checking in with people. So the biggest part of me for the follow-up is actually to give people more resources that let them help them to make a decision, but the resources don't push them towards your solution. Let them know that you're on side and you're not being transactional and that whether or not you do business today, that you still value the connection and you're still willing to invest your time and energy in the relationship. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or iTunes. Also, if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show, shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl. Thank you for listening.